Hi, I'm Megan Skidmore, and this is the Beyond the Shadow of Doubt. I'm a woman, daughter, sister, spouse, mother, life coach, and person of faith on a mission to normalize asking questions and allowing doubts, not only in a faith journey, but in all aspects of life. Join me in bringing this traditionally taboo topic out of the shadows of shame and into the light. I'm a firm believer that we normalize through more talking and engaging in discussion. More talking peels back, exposes, and erases the layers of shame associated with questions and doubts. When we're more authentic about our journey, we are more powerful because shame has no power in the face of authenticity. This month, August of 2023, marks the one-year anniversary of Beyond the Shadow of Doubt, and simultaneously, we hit 5,000 downloads. I am so excited and appreciative of those who have come on and allowed me to interview them and share their stories, as well as those of you who are listening, downloading, sharing it with friends, subscribing, and leaving reviews. Each of these actions helps this podcast to grow and the messages and stories to spread far and wide. I feel especially grateful because as a podcaster who identifies as a cisgender female, sharing my story as an LGBTQ plus mama of conservative faith, you are amplifying many voices that fall in the marginalized category. So my genuine thanks. I ask you a favor, and that is to subscribe if you have not, share a favorite episode with a friend, and most importantly, take two minutes and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. In celebration of this one-year anniversary and 5,000 downloads, I've extended my podcast giveaway through the end of August. Leave a five-star review to be entered into a drawing for a $100 gift card that is good at several different restaurants. Go break bread with someone you love. Invite a friend to leave a review, and if their name is drawn, you both win your own gift card. Help me reach my goal of 10,000 downloads by the end of 2023. Link with the info on how to enter is in the show notes or the bio of my Instagram profile. Thank you for being here. Now on to today's episode. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining. I am really looking forward to this discussion, uh, this, this episode today. I have invited fellow mama friend, Kim Crump, to, to chat with me today. Uh, Today is the first time I believe you and I have actually met, (laughs) we could say, we've been a part of many virtual groups over the years um, and have interacted often to that extent. But today I get you all to myself and this is pretty cool. I'm really looking forward to our chat today. Kim is a fellow mama of a child who identifies as LGBTQ plus. And I am, I'm actually going to turn the mic over to you, Kim, to give you the opportunity to share with our listeners, you know, your kind of your origin story, your family, where you live, where you're from, anything that you would like to and feel comfortable sharing. And uh, we'll go from there. Okay. Well, I grew up most of my life in West Jordan, Utah. And my parents, I was an only child for a really, really, really long time. Felt like a long time till I was 12. And my parents were raised in the church, but they left as teenagers. And so I was kind of, um, always taken to church by extended family members and things like that. And so, you know, I got baptized when I was eight, you know, the usual, but I didn't, I wasn't very active and my mom would occasionally teach primary and stuff like that. And I would go, but um, as a teenager, I ended up going alone a lot to church. 
Okay. I met my um, husband in high school. Uh, we were both in the marching band and dated him. And he kind of propelled me into greater activity with the church because I knew that that's what he would want to marry or I knew that's what he was looking for. Um, and I thought, gosh, I better, you know, I better go to church because that's, I really like this guy. And so anyways, um, and so he, uh, I waited for him. He went on a mission, came home and six weeks, we got married. <laughs> okay. And we are currently living in Northern Utah and we have three kids, 22, 19 and 13. So we're kind of getting, we've kind of shuffled a couple of them out of the nest a little bit and um, are raising our last one. Mm -hmm. Um, I am employed with Weber School District. I'm a speech therapist. Um, So I I went to school at Utah. We both, both my husband and I went to school at Utah State University. And then I just uh, recently did my master's degree with Ohio, our Bowling Green State University, which is in Ohio. Um, And so I love my job. Um, I get to work with special needs kids and they are the best. So I really, really love that my job is uh, working with these kiddos and just um, trying to just bring a lot of goodness into their lives when they're at school with me. So that's amazing. I used to also work with special needs kids um, as a school psychologist. That was many, many moons ago. Yeah. So I echo your sentiment. They yeah. are beautiful people. Yeah. And their families. I just, um, I'm just in awe. I really, it's, it's a humbling job when you get to work with sure. them and their families. And then you come home and you just think of them and you're like, wow, he's, these are amazing people. Yes, they are. So you mentioned that you're like growing up in your teens. Um, wait, sorry. No, your parents in their teens. Right. Um, distanced themselves from the LDS faith, left the LDS faith. However, you grew up in the LDS faith. You met your husband in high school, both in the, in the marching band, and he left on a mission, came home, you got married. So you did, you, you, you started out in the LDS faith. Yeah. Um, I would love for you to kind of give us your nutshell version of your faith journey. And include as much as you want or as that you're comfortable with. Particularly, I would love if you could focus on those points where it, you experienced a pivot in your journey. And by pivot, I mean, you began to realize for yourself that certain beliefs, perhaps long held beliefs, didn't align necessarily with what your lived reality was for you. And and then, and what that was like as you tried to navigate that space um, when questions and doubts came up for you. Okay. Well, you know, to make a long story short, we were a typical Mormon family doing everything, everything uh, that we're asked to do, um, living a very great life, very happy life, fulfilling life. Um, and then my when my son came out. Um, as gay, that was the pivoting point for me. That was where everything just fell completely apart. And I remember sitting on the couch with my husband and just telling him, like, Ben is gay. And I remember him kind of being teary-eyed and saying, like, and just literally, like, believing 
him saying that if he acts on it, we won't be a forever family. And I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to say. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is just, this is a lot. And so, um, you know, he, he went on his own journey and sometimes our husbands and dads, they're kind of on their, a different journey than we are sometimes. Um, and so he had a lot of just processing to do. And I knew that I couldn't come to him with my questions and what was happening in my brain. And so I, I had to go other places. And um, our bishop at the time, he, he's a good man, but he wasn't, he wasn't of any help. This was only five years ago. Okay. And things have come a long ways from even just five years ago. But um, it is definitely much more <laughs> in the forefront of discussions and social yeah. media has definitely contributed a lot to those spaces. But yes, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember, you know, I remember thinking, well, Ben can be, he can, he can just have a, a marriage. He can make this work. You know, I, I remember going through all the steps of denial and grieving and, um, and I, I had to look for outside sources and I found safe people that I just kind of tested the waters and then they would propel me to other people to talk to or a podcast to listen to. I don't even know how I got involved with um, I'll Walk With You as a group that I'm really involved in. I don't even remember how I found that group. Um, I went to the North Star Conference. I remember that Ben came out in December and we all went in March, my husband and Ben. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that, that was just, I, I always think that's a good place for people that are just tackling this can go and just be with other people that are kind of going through the same thing. Um, but I, I was trying to write down like what I remember because it was such a surreal experience. Like, I mean, I remember literally days at work where I could hardly even work or see students. I was just stunned at my life and what was happening to me. And I remember, um, reaching well I remember going back and I just thought I just I wanted to know what the church said about gay people I don't remember like any of this and so I remember going back and I remember reading policies and what they said about gay people in like the 70s and 80s and each time I each time I would go and find it would kind of break my shelf a little more because I thought to myself now back up a little bit in was it February my son told somebody at the junior high that mom and dad are heading out of town this weekend I'm going to take my life it's the perfect weekend for me to take my life your and, son Ben said this mm -hmm. and this was about five years ago yes okay. yeah this was when he was in ninth grade and um so so here we are with another couple going to Yellowstone and the school counselor calls me and lets me know the news. And so things were getting really tough, really tough. And I just thought to myself, if I were to follow the church's advice that they gave people in the 70s and 80s, I'm fairly certain that my son would be in the cemetery right now. And that was a gut punch. Because if our leaders can, can be wrong back then, could they be wrong right now? And that's something I'd never wrestled with. 
ever wrestled with. Um, and so I remember reaching out and finding Thomas McConkie's book on faith stages or Mormon faith crisis. You know that book? Um, it is Navigating Mormon Faith Crisis by Thomas McConkie. And he is like the oh, grandson. Yes. Sorry. Sorry, I was thinking wrong McConkie. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yes, I do know who Thomas McConkie is. <laughs> Sorry. He, I was starting to think, wait, he did? <laughs> And he, um, he was the one that introduced me to stages of faith. I had no idea there were stages of faith. No idea like that that even existed. And out of all the classes I took in college, you know, the adult, the aging classes, like I never like remember them mentioning like religion or stages of faith that you can like keep going, like maturing, you know, as you age and, and that if you happen to be in a stage four or stage five, it's okay. It really is a natural part of life or can be for people. Like, so, um, so that book was really helpful. The group was really helpful. And I started like everybody else having to take everything off the shelf. I did and really examining it and really just saying, you know, I've been told if it comes from God, it will bring good fruit in my life. And I had to just examine everything. Is this bringing good fruit in my life? And sometime that spring, I don't remember after Ben came out, but um, after really wrestling, I mean, we were talking like, I'd get up in the morning and I just sob in the shower, you know, that kind of, and I just would be like a zombie during my day, just in this world that I just couldn't even navigate. And I just needed so much help. I remember God finally answering a prayer for me and, you know, over the sink as I'm doing dishes, kind of, kind of like, I kind of call it my Alma, the younger moment, just, it, it was really pivotal. I can only count like on one hand, the pivotal moments in my life and uh, that the spirit spoke to me. And two of them are with Ben <laughs> two, two times are with Ben or yeah, dealing with Ben, but you know, God just said, um, you know, I, I got Ben, Kim, I got him and I love him. What I need you to do is love him. Like I love him. And you know, it's from the spirit when it pierces your heart you actually hear words and you see a vision. I was seeing kind of a vision of what this love was supposed to look like. And it passed, passed all my understanding of answers that I would get from God or church answers, right? Um, and I just thought, oh my goodness, okay. And from there forward, I just complete trust. I have complete trust. I am going to follow what you just told me and this vision that you just sent me of what I'm supposed to do with Ben, which is pretty much well as like loving unconditionally, just supporting him and everything. And even, even today, people are like, you know, like when you tell members that, you know, like I'm really just following the direction God gave me for my family. They're still like, but really like, you're going to support him in a gay marriage, like mm -hmm. completely, or I've marched in a pride parade before, and I volunteered at the Mom and Dragons booth, just educating people, giving hugs to teenagers that are sobbing, you know, like, yeah, that's, that's what I'm supposed to be doing.
Um, I can just I, really quick yeah, too. Yeah. First of all, I can I can feel the emotion uh, bubbling up for you. It's, you know, I thank you for sharing and being so real. Those first few months are the hardest maybe even first year really. And I felt that with you. So thank you for being real about that. Um, the emotion, the, the worry, the fear, all of it, it is a hundred percent real. And I heard you when you said, I am certain that if I were to have followed what council was, you know, you had been reading from the seventies and the eighties, that your son would be in the cemetery. And that is a very real um, possible outcome for it's many. Scary. It's for scary. Many. Yeah, I, I don't so, wish that on my worst enemy. I don't. And so it makes so much sense to me that you would have received such a clear, direct message personalized for you and for your family, for your son, for you as the parent of this child. And I'm, I'm so, I, I didn't learn about personal, I, I thought I knew about personal revelation prior to all of these experiences over the past four plus years. But I, I truly believe I've really learned about personal revelation and how real it truly is. And so the flip side of that is I can see why some of these other fellow members you've mentioned, they're kind of confused by your, um, where you're at in your journey. And um, so blessings to you and love to you for being brave and for being like like Eve and doing the thing that seems to be the opposite of what you would you would think you should be doing. Anyway, I just wanted to thank you. I just feel the realness so much coming from you. And um I just I just it's hard for that to carry across in in a podcast. Um I just wanted to emphasize it. Thank you for being honest and well, and for being vulnerable and, and authentic, not honest, authentic is the word I'm looking for. Um, but I, but you left off, you were saying, but since then I pretty much stuck with loving unconditionally. Wow. Just, just beautiful. I love it. I wanted to ask another question, but did you have anything else though? I didn't mean to um, cut you short on what you were saying before. Um, no, I just think my last thought would be what made it really hard in the beginning was I felt I had to, I felt that I had to choose between two good things. Here was the church that I really loved and I was really dedicated to. And then there was my son who I really loved and I was dedicated to. And I think, I think that's when God kind of interjected and said, okay, you've wrestled long enough. Um, this is what I need you to do. And now, you know, five years later, we're studying the New Testament and it kind of hit me. And I think I was reading something, but something that someone posted, but, you know, Christ always chose people over religion. He did. He wasn't into institutions. He was always um, calling out the church members or the church leaders. 
And he was always choosing people over the church. And so kind of a little confirmation for my heart that, you know what? I'm, I'm erring on the side of choosing people right now and choosing my son. And, um, you know, if I get up to heaven and I shouldn't have done that, then I'll deal with it then. But I really <laughs> feel that I'm going to err on the side of love and I'm going to err on the side of people over an institution if I have to pick one or the other. And I told Ben that I said, Ben, um, I, I could tell he was really angsty. Mm-hmm. that spring. And I, and I finally, the spirit told me to say this and I couldn't believe that the spirit was, was telling me to say this, but it said, tell him this. And um, it's, I just had to sit down. He said, Ben, if, if it ever came to like, either I support you and love you, or I don't keep a temple recommend. I said, Ben, I'm going to choose you, buddy. I'm going to choose you and I'm going to love you and support you. And I would hand back my temple recommend if it came down to that. And I tell you what, I saw a pivot in that boy from that day forward. He pivoted and he was a 4.0 student in high school on the debate team and wants to be a lawyer. Is that good fruit or what? You tell me. Mm-hmm. You tell me that this boy just pivoted and was just a different kid from there on happy, um, peaceful. And just found friends. School was awesome. Like he had, he had a really good, I don't know. I just, it was so weird for me. I just kept thinking, okay, I'm going to tell him this, but this is just really weird. Cause I, it's just not something I ever saw myself doing, you know? Yeah. And I think that's the, um, isn't that the quintessential definition of personal? Just because yeah. that was, right for you and your situation and your family it's it's not like it's um prescriptive for everyone and that's the beauty right. of it to right. me it was personal you yeah. you had had experiences in your life even before your son uh came out how, however he shared that with you or however that happened you knew what it was like for the divine to work within you, to communicate and commune with you. And you just, you cannot deny that. Yeah. And my, Um, and it was, and it was something that my son needed to hear that I didn't know that he needed to hear until the spirit told me, Hey, you need to say something like this because he's really need, he's, he's kind of still in limbo and he's not quite sure where you're sitting because the church has damaged him. And and, you know, he's just, he's kind of like, well, do you love the church or do you love me, mom? And he, he didn't want to come out and say it, I know, but I know he was thinking that because he just, once, once he knew how much I loved him, gosh, like, it was, I mean, I want to, it was pretty smooth sailing after that, really. Once he got into 10th grade, it was just. So he would have been around 13 or 14 at this point. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I had that thought as well. He needed to feel feel seen. Right. And he absolutely did feel feel seen and heard and loved. You know, you had another experience and you posted about this to one of our groups. And your post just really struck so many chords with me. And it had to do again with your kids and receiving that personal revelation. And it was so heartfelt. 
I hope you don't mind. I, I copied and pasted it here because I'd right like ahead. to read it <laughs> for right our ahead. listeners because I'd, I'd like to dive a little deeper uh, as much okay. as you're comfortable. But you posted for a hot moment after two of my children left the church, including my gay son, I found myself wrestling with my beliefs and comparing my kids' worth to whether or not they were, quote, in or, quote, out. I didn't want to think this way, but my subconscious was pulling me there. I had to ask myself why. I felt bad for thinking this way. I saw on the outside that this kind of thinking was wrong. So why was I even having a wrestle with it? And then it dawned on me. And you start to mention all the lessons that you had had growing up in various uh, organizations or classes and meetings and whatnot that, um, or, or even comments from other members that explicitly or implicitly, implicitly the message was, you know, that told, that said people who leave the church are lost, wayward, not on the good path, um, choosing to sin losing their light, becoming darker or not as good or quote worthy in God's eyes and, and on and on. And, and, and your response in your post was so no wonder this is why my subconscious was going down this, you know, rabbit hole of thinking. And then you said, I had to do a lot of personal work and paradigm shifting to process these messages and to undo this harmful and incorrect way of thinking about my kids and have repented. And then you defined repentance as changing your mind. And you said, said, now you're in a good place. I'm seeing my kids thrive and make good choices and love their fellow men and care about others. What a lesson I have learned. One of the words that really stuck out to me the most was this word of wrestle. When I think of this word wrestle, it's got a very physical imagery to it. Um, you said you wrestled with your beliefs. And then comparing your kids' worth to their relationship with the church and whether or not they were in or out. I, I would like to, to dive a little bit deeper into that. What, it sounds exhausting. <laughs> um, well, can you share a little bit more about that? You know, as you were just reading that and I was listening to it, my own words, um, you know, I just had this feeling I was wrestling with my own worth at the same time. There you go. Wow. I was wrestling with my worth and some, some of that blurred with, well, am I wow. wrestling with my, with me seeing my kids worthy or am I wrestling with me seeing myself worthy? And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's deep. Wow. Like it was probably a combination of just, are we worthy as a family? Because um, it, it can be hard when like, you feel like your extended family or friends pull away and everybody still cheers on, you know, oh, so-and-so's talking in church and so-and-so's going to go on a mission and, mm -hmm. and so-and-so is, you know, how was, um, you know, your girls camp or whatever. And there's nothing to talk, nothing to say about my kids, you know, because they're not in church anymore. So what do we, oh, how are they doing? Oh, that's good. You know, like, so and I, that is yeah. so true. Yeah. And I, um, you know, and just realizing that, like, I think it was a lot of, you know, I think it was a lot of subconscious work that I had to do because really on the outside, 
you know, I'm their mom. I love them. They're, they're great kids, but like subconsciously I'd have these thoughts just kind of bubble up of, you know, they're not, they're not quite as good. And, you know, they're not going to go to the temple. So what does that mean? Well, they're not going to be numbered with the elect of God and they are sold themselves short and they lost their spiritual horizon and they won't get all those spiritual gifts. And they, you know, it just is polarizing. It just, it's the us versus them. And Mm -hmm. we're always just a little bit better than those that don't have the church, or at least that's the messages I was kind of feeling inside. And it was a wrestle. It was just because I didn't want to feel that way, but then I'd be pulled back in, you know, and then I'd want to pull myself away from that thought and say, no, stop this. And, you know, dealing with my own worth in the eyes of my neighbors and friends and husband and his, his parents, um, very, very great family, but very all in the church, you know, and it, it's just, I'm at a lot of peace about it. And in fact, I will give you it. My kids are constantly teaching me. And I think, you know, in that scripture, when it says a little child will lead them, I think many of our kids are leading us. I do too. To greater understanding, greater too. love, greater inclusion. So my daughter lives in North Carolina and um, she lives with, with her boyfriend. And um, people want to feel sorry for me and mourn for me. But then when they see her, you know, on Instagram or she came home for Christmas, everybody that runs into her, they tell me, I cannot believe how happy she is. And I will say, she is, she is doing the best that I've ever seen her. She's just happy. She's, and she's a great adult. Like she's making really good choices. She's caring. She's loving. She's paying all her bills on time. She's just doing. (laughs) She's succeeding at this adulting thing. And right. She's not. Uh Yeah. She's not on a path to sorrow. She's not, um, turn into an alcoholic or, you know, just like, oh, she left the church and this happened or, you know, like it's really been a lesson for me to say, whoa, hold on, you know, don't paint everybody's journey that leaves the church as not for them, you know, very sorrowful. Maybe this is really the path that they're supposed to go on. And Kaylee, she may not be on a church journey anymore, but she's still on a spiritual journey. She still mm-hmm. finds God a lot in nature. I know that she's still a spiritual person. And so I'm still learning lessons. Like, like I still am. My, my kids are still teaching me a lot. And I am unraveling some of these old ideas or these old ways of thinking that I'm like, okay, I need to shift my paradigm because that's really not my lived experience anymore. And I'm, I'm really confident in raising my hand in classes and say, you know, Hey, um, like look at it, this, you know, that this has been my experience and this has been my point of view with my kids and they're doing really well. And I don't see God abandoning them. And in fact, God said he wouldn't abandon my son, Yeah, that he will be with my son. So I think you brought up a really uh, important observation, and that is what those in your 
church slash civic community, your neighbors, whatever, those that had grown up with you observed um, when, in this specific case, when your daughter returned home and they could see that she is happy. I, To me, that just emphasizes the problematic language when we use terms like lost or, or wayward or um, you know, what are, what are some of the other words that you used? Um, not on a good path or yeah. losing their, their way. Um, there are, there even like, like lazy learners lacks disciples, right? There, there is a lot of hurtful language. Cause that's just really not a lot of people's lived experiences. Right. And, and one of the things that I have learned in, in my work as uh, a coach, but also as, as a human and a mom, you know, is for someone to say or, or view somebody as lost or wayward, sinning, becoming darker is actually more of a reflection perhaps on me or whoever the speaker is rather than um, that individual. It's a reflection of their views, right? And, and wherever they might be at uh, in their life, because what might look like to someone as lost could actually mean they were pushed out or what may look like quote unquote wayward, whatever that might mean, could actually be someone genuinely trying to reconcile their lived experience in their identity, for instance, with the messages that they have been receiving, whether from home, society, a civic or a faith community, or what is labeled as losing their light could actually be somebody suffering from depression or anxiety or other significant health challenges due to lack of mental, physical, spiritual support. Perhaps they just have a resting face, quote unquote, resting face that's just solemn or chill or serious, right? Who knows? I just, I just think it's so important to be aware of what we're saying and how it sounds and reserve judgment, just suspend any judgment calls, labeling, whatever, um, leave that up to the savior, leave that up to God. Come join me in Hopeful Spaces, a Dallas Hope Charities component of Hopeful Discussions, which is sponsored by Mercedes-Benz Financial Services USA. Hopeful Spaces is a monthly parent, caregiver, and ally support group facilitated by Megan Skidmore Coaching. To join is free. Simply send an email to chc at dallashopecharities.org. Visit meganskidmorecoaching.com where you can find this podcast as well as additional free resources. Check the podcast show notes on any platform for links to sources cited. Follow me on Facebook or Instagram for more and to send me a DM. To help the podcast grow, please follow, rate, and review as well as share it with a friend. Beyond the Shadow of Doubt is a proud member of the Dialogue Podcast Network, which is a part of the Dialogue Journal found at dialoguejournal.com forward slash podcast network. Founder Eugene England was a Mormon writer, teacher, and scholar who wrote, My faith encourages my curiosity and awe. It thrusts me out into relationship with all creation and encourages me to enter into dialogue. My hope is that this podcast is an extension of that vision. Thanks for being here. Until next time.